You are listening to the really useful podcast. It's the tech podcast for technophobes. We are back for a new run. This is our sixth set of episodes. We'll be here with you until Christmas 2020. I'm Christian Corley, and with me is Ian Buckley. Hello, Ian. Hi, how's it going? Very well, thank you. And yourself? Good, yeah, nice to be back. Yeah, it's um, it's been a while since we've done a really useful podcast. Uh, our last one was in March, so we can consider this some sort of uh, escape from lockdown. And Ian, you haven't been on the show since uh, 2019. Yeah, I've been away for quite a while. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's good to be back and chatting about things again. Absolutely. Now, this week, we are going to be looking at laptops. Yes, indeed. Uh, we're specifically um, how to buy a laptop and all things involved with buying a laptop, maybe helping you out with making the choice that you've been sweating over for several weeks. Because one of the most important things about buying a laptop is not to walk into your local electronics outlet and buy the first one that you see. Yeah, that's uh, that's a very very good <laughs> that's a very good piece of advice <laughs> for multiple reasons. Now I think both of us have recently bought a laptop, haven't we? I've actually bought a couple in in the the last six months um, for two very different reasons, which I think is going to be one of the main themes of this podcast. Really, like the main thing you need to think about when you're buying a laptop is exactly what you're buying it for. Yeah. Um, because there are definitely some really good all round laptops that'll do more or less everything, but um, but yeah. Um, if you uh, if there's one thing you find yourself doing more than others, it's definitely worth finding out what kind of laptop that will be uh, will be good for that. Sorry. So identifying that is um, key, really, and it's one of the first things you should be doing. So basically, if if your idea is Facebook, online shopping, maybe some word processing, then a budget laptop should do the job, shouldn't it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, a budget laptop, um, and uh, and again, you, uh, you, there's a lot of um, there's a lot to be said for kind of budget laptops, which are all, sort of work a little bit like tablets as well. You get moving to sort of Chromebooks in that regard as well, but yep. they are incredibly powerful these days. And that's something I'll probably chat on a little later in the show. I had a very nice experience that I wasn't expecting with a Chromebook recently. Uh, that sounds absolutely um... yeah. Anyway, so there are generally speaking three types of laptop that you're probably going to find um, promoted to you as you go into an electronic store. There'll be the Windows laptop, there will be a Chromebook, and there will be MacBooks. Now, the MacBooks are going to be at the top end, even for the most basic version, they're going to be at the top end of your budget more than likely, or even completely out of budget. Um, mm. Chromebook and Windows tablets will span budgets. Now, um, there are, as we said, various reasons, and we've looked already at um, how telling you that you need to make a decision early on and what that purpose might be. And, you know, it might be browsing online shopping. It might be for homework. It might be for working from home as opposed to school homework. It might be as a desktop replacement. Desktop replacement tablets aren't as common as they were um, four or five years ago, there was a kind of a spate of desktop replacements, huge laptops, big pad, not tablets, um, that are quite bulky and heavy. I've got one upstairs. It's a HP, uh, mm. 17 inch thing. It's got like the full, full size keyboard and it weighs about twice as much as the laptop that I'm using at the moment. It's a real weighty thing. Um, yes. Yeah. And then you've got the gaming laptops, uh, right at the top end of the spectrum and you know, proper multi power user things. Um, 
it is it can be complicated and just going for the cheapest thing isn't necessarily going to give you the result that you want so that's why it's important to understand exactly how you're going to be using it if you want to be playing brand new games then a 200 dollars laptop isn't going to do the job on the other hand if you're just browsing the web maybe sending emails then spending a thousand dollars on a laptop that's also a mistake you've sure yeah. yeah now you've looked at um this is good for this sort of like time of year that we're recording this podcast uh in the back to school period you've um looked at some laptops for programming and coding which would be a, a useful um discussion for anyone going to college and doing sort of mass programming coding topics absolutely yeah um and um, I, I I wrote um, a guide some time ago on um, on laptops that are good for coding. Um, but e even within that guide, the same caveat exists that we just talked about, which is it's it's all about kind of what you're doing it for. Um, so a lot of people these days, if they are going into learning how to code, um, it it seems to broadly there's kind of a couple of categories. You get people who are doing kind of general computer science, um, and a lot more these days. You get people who might be uh, taking online courses to learn how to do web development um, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and I, um, I always sort of advise getting something with a, a decent amount of power to it. Um, and part, you know, part of the reason behind that is because um, even on really decent computers, I'm recording this on my desktop computer, which is pretty powerful. I use it for video editing and playing games and all sorts. Um, if you're using a web browser and you have a lot of tabs open, it will be using a lot of memory. Um, and even this computer, uh, if I go a little bit too far, um, and if I'm trying to do stuff in the background with JavaScript that I don't quite understand and using up a lot of memory, it will start to slow down quite significantly. Um, so while getting a really fast computer, and people might talk to you about how fast the processor is and all that kind of stuff, um, thinking about how much RAM you might need is something that is equally as important, I would say, as a processor. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that if you do walk into a shop and just try and buy a laptop, the person in the shop might um, kind of try and say, oh, well, this has more of this and more of that. And that's why maybe knowing that in, in advance would be a good thing. Um, but yeah, for, for me, I still, I still stand uh, largely with what I said on, um, on that article, which is there are some just generally fantastic all-round machines um, the, the the updated version of the Dell XPS 13 is uh, certainly a slightly higher cost laptop, but um, but it's it's an all round fantastic laptop which will be happy whether you have Windows or decide to stick something like Linux on it. Yeah. Now speaking of that, I mean Linux is uh, for many people is a an option that sounds way too complicated, uh, despite sure. the fact that these days it's just as easy as any other operating system. What is the cheapest laptop you've ever used? Um, I think the cheapest one I used on a day-to-day -day basis was a Chromebook that was a Chromebook that was given to me by a friend. That I think the cost of it was 180 pounds. So right. I'm not sure what that would be in in, in the conversion. Um, but it was a the very bottom line Asus Chromebook, um, and it's funny because. I was only using it for very basic stuff. I was using it for sending emails and for writing and stuff like that. And I found that even with my light use of it, it still was a little sluggish and actually right. a little hard to use, amazingly, um, even though uh, you're still spending what is a fair chunk of money to some folks, you know. Um, uh, but the cheapest laptop, I'd say, yes, about £180. What about yourself? Uh, the cheapest one I've used, um, I didn't buy it, it was for review, and I was mm. absolutely knocked over by how good it was, was the Pinebook. Ah, uh, yes, uh, Pinebook, 
Pine, yeah, Pine Book from and Pine, Pine, Pine Phone and Pine yeah. 64 do yeah. some really, really interesting things with Linux, yeah. Yeah, um, um, it's lightweight, it's 1.26 kilograms, uh, it's got six hours of battery, camera, webcam isn't great, 0.3 megapixel, but you're probably not going to spend, wait for it, £100 or $100 on a laptop and expect a decent webcam on it but the that's astonishing yeah it is amazing now it's not going to run every piece of software because it is an arm processor so there's going to be sort of 32 bit and 64 bit intel based processor stuff that isn't going to run on it so standard linux software might not run on it but there's a vast amount of arm based software for um linux these days thanks to the raspberry pi so basically pretty much anything that runs on the raspberry pi will run on the pinebook and it's just for the topic of um that was just the subtopic of programming and development is a perfect low budget option for any student i think it's a yeah. fantastic little computer it absolutely is and, and funnily enough the the as, as i sort of uh, mysteriously said towards the start of the show about having had a very nice experience with the chromebook recently um <laughs> i i had that's exactly what happened with me i am um, I, I was working on a writing job towards the end of last year, and the the, uh, the ThinkPad, which I had had for years, which I love, it's not a particularly powerful one, but again, this is something that you might discover when you start looking into laptops, is that people are very passionate about ThinkPads. Um, mine just died in, uh, in the middle of one day, and so I had to run out to a computer store and do pretty much what you said at the start of the show, which is not to do, is to run in and buy the first one you see. Yeah. Um, but I got very lucky. I got um, an Asus chromebook the r3 i believe the asus r3 chromebook i believe it's called 13 inch chromebook with a, a yoga hinge so you can turn it into a kind of tablet and then um, i was going to use that as my general writing machine um and it was my first real foray into chromebook so i really kind of learned how to use one used it as my daily driver and i discovered that using the linux subsystem that comes with chromebooks and again this is the same this is an arm based chromebook so it doesn't have your intel 64-bit um, uh, operating system on it um, and yeah using the Linux uh, subsystem in my spare time when I wasn't writing I could I followed an entire course on how to learn uh, full stack uh, development using react and JavaScript and all that kind of stuff um, because yeah it, it's a very serviceable Linux uh, uh, subsystem on the computer so well but the thing about it the main thing, and again, this comes back to our original point, know what you need it for, is I, would, I was working in an office at the time. I would charge that laptop in the morning, put it in my bag with my power adapter, and I would never get my power adapter out. It would last for the entire day um, wow. with just con continuous use, um, which is something that I can't say for any other laptop I've ever owned. No. It was fantastic. That's really good. That is really good. Mm. Now, you did mention there that people do kind of get very passionate about laptops. Yes. Equally, I think... People also get very passionate about laptops that they've disliked. Oh, for sure, yeah. Okay. Have you had a laptop that you thought, there's absolutely no way I'm going near that laptop or even that company again? Um, the So, I mean, yes, but this happened twice, but there's actually two sort of caveats because okay. I... I, I in the I have in other ways in the past um, disliked something so much I would never go back to that company again. Um, I think maybe I've grown up a little bit now and realised that sometimes even large companies with huge R and D budgets make mistakes. <laughs> but um, uh, I I once had a Toshiba laptop which was uh, supposed to be 
Um, every kind of incredible. Unfortunately, I cannot remember the model number. And we're talking some years back, maybe eight or nine years back now. But it had a large screen and it was supposed to be blazing fast and have uh, all the RAM, uh, uh, this new kind of offset touchpad with a special grip on it that would make it easier to use. The touchpad was dreadful. The battery life was dreadful. The screen was awful. <laughs> it just, it was hanging and slow. It was full of horrendous bloatware. That, um, and for, for those of you that don't know, bloatware is anything that is installed on your computer by the manufacturer that isn't part of its operating system. So if you ever turned on a new computer and it has uh, all of these icons for, uh, for, for, for programs that come from the company that makes it, that's bloatware. Um, and that put me off Toshiba for some time. I have no idea if their laptops are any better now or even if they are still making them. I have kept up with that. Um, um, and the other one, and again, big caveat on this because I've actually had some great experiences with them in the past, but I've had a MacBook and it was fine. I've had an iMac and it was fine. I've had one MacBook Pro and it, something went wrong with it every single week. Ooh. And after six months, I, um, I, yeah, I, I, I gave up because they said I need to spend an additional 1,100 uh, euros on it to get it working again. Um, and that's... Again, that's not necessarily a problem with the way Apple have manufactured it, although there are those on the internet that would argue with that. It's more a problem with the way Apple allows people to repair laptops. But here is probably not the time to get into a discussion probably about right not. to repair. <laughs> not this week, no. Um, I mean, I've had some bad laptop experiences. Um, I've used a ThinkPad many, many, many years ago, back in the early IBM ThinkPad days. So mm. I wouldn't include that in my bad experiences. But I did have a Lenovo laptop. Uh, a few years ago, and this is right in the middle of the time when it was revealed that Lenovo were kind of packaging, phishing malware thing. Uh, yes. there, was, there was a big hoo-ha about it. There was software installed, essentially malware, pre-installed by Lenovo on their laptops. And then I kept using it after removing all the software. And, like, uh, not long after that, probably within within six months of all that happening, the hinge just completely broke. Huh? That just fell apart almost like it it crumbled like it'd been turned to stone and then just like mm. crumbled into dust uh which was a real real disappointment which really put me off after what already happened with lenovo that really put me off ever going near lenovo again mm. and i've also this laptop i'm using now which is a dell g5 5505 se there's a review coming for this on make use of soon so you can check it out it's a budget gaming laptop mm -hmm. uh, essentially before I got this, I was using an Asus um, 504FX, and it died about 18 months ago. So mm. I sent it away for repair. They sent it back saying there was nothing wrong with it. It booted up perfectly fine. And then about six months ago, it died again. So I didn't send it away because I didn't send, I sent it away last time. There's nothing wrong with it. And I'm still waiting for it to start working again, basically. Yeah, because they say there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I... I probably won't go near another asus laptop apparently this is a problem endemic with a particular range of asus laptops there's yeah so i'm uh i'm not going to go into the technical details about that but i don't go near asus laptops anymore which is a bit of a shame because there's some good looking ones out there but uh yeah it's um it's best to uh stay away from stuff that you're not confident about i think mm -hmm. isn't it oh no um for sure and um and, and that's definitely one of the things that you're going to find is a problem if you're searching online and trying to find, a, you know, a, if you just any any kind of Google search onto what makes the best laptop, you will find some conflicting advice. And especially um, if you dive deep into Reddit, you will find some very passionate people in every direction. Um, but uh, there's. 
there's definitely something to be said for um, this this idea of kind of uh, working out what you do and trying to find out what other people in that field um, are using as well. Because uh, while you may not be able to afford the same thing that someone who has kind of got a salaried wage who's getting a machine from their um, work uses, um, knowing if, for example, most of the people in the field you're moving into use, as we said before, Linux. I mean, if you're moving into computer science, you might find that that's, uh, that's true. Um, yeah, there are computers that computers that are known for working well with Linux or that or even just a, a computer that you know you will be putting Linux on so you will have a just looking for a decent processor um, and a decent amount of memory is definitely worth thinking about. Apple I think is a really interesting one because it is out of every um, computer manufacturer they're definitely the one that splits opinion the most. Yeah. Um, and and of course, there's the 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 you know there's the basic reason of which they are incredibly expensive, um, and that's obviously uh, tough if you are on a limited budget and looking into uh, getting something um, for yeah for for day to day use. Um, but there's the argument that I've in the past I've always sort of riled against, and again I feel like I'm softening up a little bit, which is people kind of say yes, but everyone uses uh, uh, these computers, uh, everyone uses uh, iOS, uh, sorry not iOS, Mac OS, everyone uses uh, that ecosystem, so it's worth getting into it now. Um, and again, I've I, I've just noticed this thing that almost almost everyone I've actually worked with in in physical space in the last couple of years whether they're uh, programmers or whether they are uh, writers or whether they're designers, they almost all use Apple computers. But I think it is very telling that almost all of those people have worked for a company with a contract that means they get a computer along with their job. (laughs) And everyone I know who is a hobby developer or everyone I know who is just learning or everyone I know who is just tinkering and doing their own stuff usually has um, another kind of uh, laptop which they have either put Linux on or or, or running in their... whichever way they want to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, a, a lot of those people probably have a PC at home or a console for playing games on. And if you're looking at playing games, you can forget about Apple straight away because there's people say you can game on a MacBook Pro. I would argue that that is a fool's errand. Mm. Yes, most definitely. Um, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll do this. I like that. Now, that's cool. <laughs> I um obviously we talk about laptops there is a kind of side to this if you go into a shop and you're looking at laptops you are going to find there's going to be a lot of tablets there and then there's going to be hybrids you're going to run into the surface microsoft surface tablets slash laptops and very similar devices tablets with keyboards attached they range like laptops across a vast different selection of prices so there's a there's a budget surface uh which is around three four hundred dollars then you've got like the basic surface pro then you've got the top end surface pro which is gonna be like two two thousand dollars uh so what were your feelings about this i'm i'm personally i would suggest that maybe these aren't ideal devices even at the budget stage because they're so small and Mm. while they might do what you want them to do you have the problem with if there's issues with the keyboard then you've got to sort out a new keyboard or as a standard laptop does come with a keyboard and if there are issues with keyboard you do run into trouble there as well but the the whole surface thing does seem to be more geared towards portability than certainly a budget level than any sort of realistic productivity oh for sure yeah um i i've um i've got limited experience with this because um 
for a for a short time um i was uh working um but a, a very long story short I, I ended up spending a little bit more time visiting england than i meant to a little while ago i had to stay over there for some family issues and so i was using a computer that wasn't mine and that was a surface um and uh that was a I can't remember exactly what range it was, whether it was the completely budget one or middle range one. Um, but I had absolutely no problem with the way it ran. I actually was quite impressed with the speed mm. in which the Windows operating system ran and all that kind of stuff. But as someone who, um, for everything they do on a daily basis, whether it's my work as a writer or whether it's my hobby as a developer, um, I need to type all the time. Yeah. Um, and I am yet to find an attached to tablet keyboard that I can type on for more than a few minutes before I really start missing uh, a, a normal Please. laptop yeah. keyboard. Yeah. And, and and bear in mind, when I say that, I mean a normal laptop keyboard. And again, that normal laptop keyboard is a million miles away from the mechanical keyboard that I use on my desktop. Um, but for contrast, again, going back to that Chromebook I was talking about, that Chromebook was relatively cheap. Um, but the the even though it was a cheap Chromebook, it had a keyboard that was designed to be a keyboard. It was in the aluminium shell of the case. Sure. Um, the keys were while plastic. They you know they had a decent amount of movement on them, whereas most of these kind of fold out keyboards to me feel a little bit like the kind of putting something which is almost like a protective casing for the tablet screen over some keyboard switches. Yeah. Um, and they don't feel particularly good. Um, so, I, I, you know, which isn't to say that these things don't have their place. And I'm sure there are some people out there who are listening to this podcast who use one of those on a daily basis and have no issue like that. Um, but that's the one thing that I never really could get into those things for the simple fact that I, I, I needed a decent-ish keyboard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and outside of, yeah, I can't think of anything else that comes close to being as bad as those for typing on. You know, When I review <laughs> laptops um, and tablets, I try to do write the article on that device. Yeah, you're getting a good idea of how, how good it is and how good the keyboard is. Um, when I reviewed the Surface Pro uh, two or three years ago, it was a reasonable experience, but I couldn't, I mean, the review took probably two days to write. I couldn't have done a whole week with such a small keyboard because I've got quite large hands. I'm six foot mm. two and a half. So I've got quite large hands and those keyboards are quite compact. Um, so, the, 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 and they are kind of like they are, as you say. There's the, the fabric element. There's this like this folio quality to these keyboards, isn't there? So you just like yeah. folding it up. It's like a, the size of a magazine or some sort of thick pamphlet, and you put it in your bag and you go. And um, they are they are a different experience to laptops as well because you've got fewer ports. Um, hmm. You've not. You've probably got the same level of connectivity, but yeah, you've got fewer ports, so you've got less opportunity to connect devices via USB, you've got to rely on Bluetooth. Uh, so, yeah, they they have their place. But I think steering away from them, unless you have a very specific productivity and portability requirement, steering away from Surface or one of the similar... I mean, my wife uses a Lenovo, which is very similar to the Surface, even has mm -hmm. the same snap connection for the Folio keyboard. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so you basically stay, if you can, steer away from those and aim towards standard laptops. Now, my mum is using upon partly on my recommendation also there was a budget requirement of around 250 pounds which i think is mm. three thirty dollars that sort of neck of the woods a, mm. a laptop she uses a hp it is perfect for what she needs which is basically facebooking my sister um communicating with other members of family um, writing notices for the church online shopping 
and some online banking for $250. Uh, yes, yeah, it's perfect. And I yeah. think for most people, we'll say $300, but yeah, for most people, that neck of the woods, that budget area, I think that's, that is the optimum, isn't it? That's, you go into a shop, you have standard requirements. The $300 laptop should be the one that works in for you in a majority of cases. And if it doesn't, then perhaps um, you haven't been 100% certain about what you need it for and the salesperson hasn't found the information from you. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I think that that's there's there's definitely something to be said for that um, in terms of that there's no there's no reason why you can't get a get a usable computer for around about that price depending on what you need it for. Yeah. Um. And I a, a large I think a, a large problem, not a large problem, but de definitely a problem that has come from the rise of these hybrid laptops and the and uh, the fact that um, especially this year this uh, emphasis on having. Uh, your laptop as a communication machine, which seems to be sort of moving away uh, because so many people are working from home, we're sort of uh, moving away from just your smartphone being a communication device. Now your laptop has to be one, and a lot of you know there's a, a lot of push about how this can be. Uh, I remember seeing an advert about how you needed a, a yoga hinge on your laptop so that you could put it in the right position for meetings. And no, no, yeah, you, yeah. you don't. You don't. That's that's marketing. It's their job to come up with that kind of stuff. Don't fall for it. Um, um, but. Yeah, for almost all uses, um, unless you need some decent processing power, if you're going to be doing gaming, you need to spend the money and get a gaming laptop. If you're moving into media, uh, if you're, say, an art student or a film student who's going to be doing um, uh, quite processor-heavy things on your computer, that, again, you may want to start thinking about something like a gaming laptop because... Um, for actually, here's a perfect example. I am um, I have never actually owned a gaming laptop, but the few times that I've worked professionally as an editor on site, um, I've used laptops from companies who just kind of have them on spec. They have a, a big warehouse full of things that you can use um, and just say, grab what you need. Um, and I use uh, Adobe Premiere Pro for making videos, and Adobe Premiere Pro has this thing uh, which allows you to use CUDA. Now, it doesn't matter if you don't know what that is, but when you turn it on, everything goes much, much faster. And that's because instead of your computer and your CPU thinking about the video editing, the GPU or the graphics card is doing it for you instead. If you're going to be doing any kind of video editing or any kind of gaming, anything that needs that, then yes, you want to be looking for a gaming laptop and spending a lot more money because the graphics card alone can be quite expensive. Yeah. Um, because you know we're talking about getting laptops for uh, for around the three hundred dollar mark, and if you don't need anything that's particularly intensive, that's a great idea. But just the graphics card alone in my editing machine costs four hundred and fifty pounds. Whoa! Um, and so to to expect to be able to do any uh, kind of high level stuff for for less than that is. Uh, is is difficult. Although having said that, that was some years ago that I, I got that. I mean, I'm sure the technology has moved on. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of excited and terrified about the prospect of having to build a new editing machine. Anyway, that's off topic. That is off topic. Um, now, as we mentioned, you go into the store, you see Windows, you see Chromebooks, and you see Macs. Yeah. Macs are expensive, aren't they? Then I mean, there's no bones about it. You're paying for a product of a particular kind of image and style and quality. Yeah. Uh, in some ways, it might be likened to a fashion item, um, fashion and productivity in one, mm -hmm. perhaps. I don't know um, how you want to define it, but there are various alternatives. You've got MacBook, you've got MacBook Pro, you've got MacBook Air. Mm -hmm. One's going to be right for some someone, one's going to be 
another one's going to be right for the other person. They've mm -hmm. got varying ports, they've got varying sizes available, varying processors. And, you know, if if the vast selection of laptops isn't already complicated enough, you, you, know, you, you look, you think, I want an Apple, you go in and then boom, there's like, I don't know, nine or ten different models of Apple laptop. <laughs> it doesn't make yeah. it easy, does it? <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't really make it much easier. I um. I I'm going to say something now, which will probably annoy anyone listening who really does like Apple products. But it's something that I sort of believe. Um, is that uh, there's so the the, the variants of um, MacBook Air and just MacBook. Um, they are they were essentially meant to be kind of the the same idea, really. Um, the MacBook, as in the modern version of the MacBook, because again, confusingly, there was an older version of the MacBook which was a which was the ubiquitous MacBook that you would have seen around 10 years ago, the yep. white plastic shelled um, MacBooks that everyone had. The modern version of the MacBook was sort of designed to replace the MacBook Air. They're both very lightweight. They're both not quite as powerful. They have decent battery lives and very nice screens. But um, you're, again, um, if you're going to be doing anything processor intensive, if you work, uh, you may be able to get away with doing some basic image manipulation on it. Um, uh, and I mean, it, everything looks beautiful. You can you'll be able to watch things in 4K um, and all, all kinds of word processing, email, all that kind of stuff. It's great. But in my mind, and here comes the part that annoys people, they are glorified Chromebooks. They are uh, low-powered laptops which use Mac OS. Hang on a minute. Um, we should have something for that. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll try this one. <laughs> oh, you're going to have so much fun with that new uh, pastor. That's fantastic. This is this is the best addition to the show. Oh my! <laughs> so yeah, have, so having dropped that semi-bombshell, um, the other side of it, which might be my redeeming thing, is there are a lot of people that say that MacBook Pros are no good for uh, for power users. Um, and I did say that gaming on a MacBook Pro is a non-starter. I still believe that is true. I have in my time, not with the most most recent ones, but several times over the years for, when I'm doing freelance jobs for people, um, I've had to, uh, in a quick spot, um, kind of check footage or edit footage or uh, grab a piece of footage and put some kind of, uh, um, kind of filter on it. Because I used to work a lot with, um, with uh, projections and things that needed to be projected large on buildings, changed very quickly. I've used MacBook Pros in the field for video editing, and I've had a very good time, uh, and it's not been a, too much of a problem. My opinion for what it is worth, not very much, is if you can afford to get a very high-level MacBook Pro laptop, you will have a good time. Not if it goes wrong, because you'll have to take it to Apple to get it fixed, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. But they are very, very high-quality laptops. As a personal opinion, as someone who has used various operating systems over the years, unless I was locked to Mac OS for a job, I would take the money I would spend on a MacBook Pro, I would get an incredibly nice laptop, and I'd go on a short holiday instead. Yes. Um, that's probably what I would do. Yeah, yeah just get a nice, Just get a nice Windows laptop. You can put, put Linux on it, and as, yeah, as far as I'm concerned, even if I was to get a, not a gaming laptop, but just a sort of high-end, again, I quite like ThinkPads, if it's got like an X1 Carbon or something, um, I'd still have enough money left over for a nice weekend break in the south of Germany somewhere, you know. Sounds nice. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, yeah, we'll do this again. Now, we have mentioned gaming laptops quite a lot, and that is, I mean, a lot of people are looking for gaming laptops, and there are different standards of gaming laptops. And sure. I think, I mean, a general rule of thumb is if you're looking for something that's kind of console-level gaming, then 
first, maybe get a console. Second, mm. you're not going to get it for under a thousand dollars. You're going to be yeah. looking at an Alienware, uh, and they start at about fifteen hundred dollars. Mm. Uh, the computer I'm using, the Dell uh, G5505SE, I think it is. Um, this will do gaming. It will do games from two or three years ago at almost full settings, and it will play fantastically, but brand new games will have to be on much lower mm. settings. And it does the job, but it's probably not... If you, if, you, if you just want to play the games, then it's perfect. If you're the hardcore gamer who needs the full FPS, the full... Uh, hurts the full, you know, everything, graphics on full, lighting, shading, everything, then this isn't the device for you. You need to be heading, mm. you need to be looking at the big Alienwares, which are also by Dell, which is, mm. it's, it's nice that Dell are kind of um, sharing some of the, some of the, uh, the graphics tech with the lower systems. Yeah, that's a trend actually that uh, we've been seeing for a little while. Because um, when when we covered IFA a couple of years ago with um, with with Make Use of, which is here in, in Berlin where I live, um, th that was very obvious even on the on the floor there that when you went into the Alienware slash Dell section, um, all the people talking about it were making very clear that they were really trying to sort of um, uh, I, I can't remember the, the exact word they used, but kind of normalize this tech across. Yeah, everything, um, and not just in the computers. I mean, they, they were talking about this mad uh, high refresh rate gaming monitor that Dell had, um, and you'd think they'd want you to buy the super expensive one, but they were really making a lot of noise about the super cheaper version, which uh, they had just released, which had much the same tech in. Obviously, it wasn't quite as good, um, and yeah, it certainly it certainly seems like. Um, I, I, I don't really know enough about the entire field of gaming laptops to say that they're doing it better than anyone else, but it's certainly pretty compelling. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, have you have you had your hands on any other sort of gaming laptops as such in 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 recent years? Because as I say, I, apart from that one, I think it was an Asus that I used on a job a while ago. I, I, I it's the one brand of kind of laptops that I haven't got much direct experience with because I've always been a desktop. Gamer. Yeah, well, the one I was using before this was an Asus, um, hmm. and that was the, that was the five hundred four FX, and that was pitched as a gaming laptop, and yeah. it was yeah, it was pretty good. I was pretty happy with it, but it's. Hmm. Um, I mean, I'd still be using it now if it hadn't have died, but it wasn't yep. great at playing certain games mm. that require, the, you know, the big, the, the you know, the big power draw, the big graphical requirement, like um, mm. Call of Duty World War Two. It was mm. hopeless at that. Um, whereas, yeah, yeah. you know, um, Minecraft, fine. PUBG, fine. And mm -hmm. you know, this is one of the things about gaming laptops, isn't it? A lot people have started paying a lot of money for playing relatively basic games. There's mm, no need mm -hmm. to spend like $1,200 on a laptop if you're just going to be playing Minecraft or PUBG or you know, um, Fortnite or whatever. Th those mm. games will run perfectly well on a mid-range and even some budget laptops. You don't, you don't mm. need to be you know, throwing money you know, at a laptop. You know, as you say, buy the budget laptop and have a break with it mm. in the countryside with your unlimited... 5G, play online in the shack mm -hmm. or something, you know. So yeah, I've um, I, I've I've used not an, an Asus, but I think this is one of the key problems. It it is very difficult. Maybe try and um, get back to the point of the podcast. It is very difficult to choose the right laptop. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed, um, we've got a couple of guides on make use of for choosing laptops. One of the things I've noticed here is we have a guide for the best computers for students. Mm -hmm. Now in this we've got an Apple MacBook Pro. We've yeah. got a Microsoft Surface Pro, and they're you know, mm. good choices, not particularly affordable. We've got the Acer Chromebook 14 
bundle, which mm-hmm. is the cheapest. Um, mm-hmm. We've got the Lenovo Yoga. And these are all very good laptops that cover all sort of budget levels. Yes. Um, and I think that maybe there is something to say for the budget being as important as the usage. Yes. And it's oh, yeah, very easy to get distracted by one or the other, but they're, they're, they're complementary, aren't they? It, it, it really is. And it's, uh, I feel like in tech, it's very easy to forget the age-old thing, which is when you are looking to get something, first work out how much you're willing to spend before actually looking at what you want to get. Yeah. If you work out your budget, if you think you are going to be able to sink kind of one or even $2,000 uh, or um, pound equivalent into a laptop, then yes, it's very, it is worth maybe thinking about things like uh, MacBook Pros and things like that. But um, again, if, once you've worked on the amount, uh, say, you think to yourself, do you, do you need Mac OS? Is this something that you need for your work? Or are you just familiar with it and that's what you like the most? Or is this something that, uh, like, like we said before, there is definitely a certain element of um, MacBooks just being the, the thing to have. Um, and uh, especially if you're someone who is using it for communication with other people and you want to be using all the same software and things like that, I can. Uh, it's less important these days as everything runs on every platform, but I can understand that being in your mind. But spending just a couple of minutes to maybe learn what some of the terms mean um, in terms of kind of processes and uh, learn what it means, the difference between, for example, an, an SSD, which is a solid state hard drive, and an uh, HDD, H, have I got that right? Yeah. Just hard disk drive, yeah, HDD. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, and yeah, things like that. Um, you can quite quickly kind of see that there are equivalent laptops which are definitely as powerful which yeah would cost significantly less yeah um and uh if you go into it with budget in mind and then sort of really think about what you need that's the best way to start it because then at least you're starting to think more about what you need rather than just kind of hoping that someone will tell you what you should get yeah i think research is key isn't it you can go into the store you can look at the laptops you can check the specifications of each laptop it's a good idea to not itself be crowded by the sales assistant at that point find one that you're interested in find one that looks like it'll do what you want to do and looks relatively nice go home research it find it on amazon find reviews for it on amazon find reviews for it on the the retailer that you bought buying it from make sure it's what you want make sure it does what you need it to do learn some of the terms um for instance if you see a laptop with an Intel Celeron or an Intel Atom chip, it's not going to be a top-end workhorse. It's not going to give you perhaps results that you'd expect from a work computer, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you basically take your time to research it as you would if you were buying a car. Hopefully Absolutely. that's what you do if you're yes. buying a car. Please tell me that's what you do if you're buying a car. <laughs> Don't just go out and buy a car. Spend some time on it. I just spent six that's months buying a car, with, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But, yeah, take your time. Find the one that suits you. Do your research, understand what it is you're buying, what it can do, what it can't do, and know what your budget is and go from there. Absolutely. Yeah, with this, with this podcast could go on for several hours. We could try and cover every single part, but what Christian has just said is the truth. And one thing that I have been doing for some time now, which I think is the simplest trick, but it is a very good one, which is when you find a laptop that you think you like the look of, open your favorite search engine, type the name of the laptop, and then type versus or VS. 
and you will get a load of suggestions for people who have compared one laptop to another and you'll have a, find a load of opinions and most of those opinions will also have in them the kind of thing you would likely use it for and it is a great starting point for finding different uh, opinions about different laptops and about what might be good or not good for the laptop you're looking at. That's an excellent tip. Uh, we will include some show notes below this for you to uh, read further on make use of. Uh, but that wraps up this brand new edition of the really useful podcast from makeyourself.com from Ian Buckley and myself, Christian Corley. It's goodbye. Take care. Bye-bye.